Welcome to Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators with Jordan Donnell. This is a safe place to learn about women's health and sexual wellness. I'm your host, Jordan Donnell, physician assistant, women's sexual health educator, and intimacy coach. On today's episode, we are talking with Amanda Whiting. She is a pelvic floor physical therapist. Get ready to learn about what this means, who should see someone like her, and how to prepare for your first session with a pelvic floor physical therapist. This is our first episode in the series on the pelvic floor. I am super excited to announce that Vaginas, Vulvas, and Vibrators swag is now out. Go to swag.vaginas, vulvas, and vibrators to check out the new stuff today. You will not want to miss some of my favorite teas. They all have a little story behind them, and maybe someday I will share the story. So be sure to go check that out and get yours today. I am super excited to have Amanda Whiting here with me today. Amanda is a pelvic floor physical therapist. She has been practicing for about three years now. Our paths crossed earlier this year through our pure romance businesses, and I cannot wait for her to tell us more about pelvic floor physical therapy. So let's get right into it. Welcome, Amanda. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah. So hi, everybody. I'm Amanda. I'm a pelvic floor physical therapist in northern Wisconsin. I've been treating pelvic floor physical therapy for about three and a half years. What is pelvic floor physical therapy? So a pelvic floor physical therapist is someone who obtained their typical physical therapy license, which now is a doctorate degree, and went on to extra education to learn more about your pelvic floor muscles. One of the common questions that I always seem to come across is that there's not a lot of research in books about the muscles in the pelvic floor. How many muscles are in the pelvic floor? There are a lot, depending on who you specifically talk to, between 11 and up to the 20s, I've heard. The muscles are on both sides of your body, so you have like a left puborectalis and a right puborectalis, so it just depends on what you consider as an individual muscle when counting. So there are quite a few, and they also run into your hip muscles as well. A lot of people include some of your hip rotators as in the pelvic floor as well, which I would definitely count. Okay. Now, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, what conditions do you typically work with? Uh, Quite a wide variety. Like I mentioned, we can work with men and women, but there are also special classes you can go to to treat transgender and helping them after surgery. Uh, And then also you can work with children. So my coworker and I are actually both pelvic floor physical therapists, and I work with children as well. Uh, No internal exams on kids, of course, but with kids, we can work with constipation, nocturesis, bedwetting, urinary incontinence during the day, fecal incontinence, and all of those conditions can be treated in adults as well. Men will treat post-prostatectomy or pre-op for that, erectile dysfunction, and then women we can treat even a greater range of things, Uh, urinary urgency, frequency, constipation, pelvic organ prolapse is a common one pelvic pain, vaginismus, coccyx or tailbone pain, hip pain, 
and then all throughout pregnancy as well, any aches or pains that pop up with that. There's so many things that you cover. And as a provider, honestly, I don't know how many providers know about the services that pelvic floor physical therapy actually offer. It's one of the things that I find myself referring to a lot now that I know what you guys are capable of doing because there's such a great need, Mm -hmm. huge need. And a lot of the terminology that you're using, a lot of the different conditions we're going to cover at some point in this podcast we're just not there yet. So like vaginismus and things like that. So it's coming. Bear with me here. What does a typical session look like for a woman? So it really depends on why they're coming in. Like you mentioned, there are so many different conditions, but typically in the beginning, I sit down and chat with my patients for a little bit. We kind of touch base what happened in the past week, how their home exercise program went, any struggles that they had, any successes they had. And then as much as you'd like to plan ahead, usually it's you take in what the patient tells you and you go with the flow. So uh, some patients I'm doing manual therapy on if they have muscle restrictions or muscle tightness in a certain area or joint restrictions. And then other patients are pretty much all exercise-based, get them up and moving Some patients were working on more stretching or more strengthening. Um, So it really varies quite a bit. And when you're doing like the stretching and strengthening, is that mostly of the pelvic floor muscles? Partly, but one of the common misconceptions that I hear about is everyone should be doing a Kegel or a Kegel. uh, And that's what people think of with pelvic floor therapy when in reality, Yes, that can be great for strengthening, although almost every woman I've come across has been doing them incorrectly. (laughs) But it's also important to know how to let those muscles release and do pelvic floor down training exercises, as well as considering your abdominal muscles, your back, your hip, and your leg muscles. Because all of those components come together at your pelvis, and it matters what's happening above and below where your dysfunction actually is. I've also kind of done some research about pelvic floor therapy. And one thing that I've come across is that if you have really tight pelvic floor muscles, if you have pain with intercourse, dyspareunia, doing Kegels is probably actually not a good idea for you. Exactly. A lot of times with dyspareunia, what I find is that women actually have shortened pelvic floor muscles or Basically, like when you get a trigger point or a knot in your back, you can get something like that in your pelvic floor muscles. Your muscles are guarding because they are anticipating some type of pain, which makes it worse. And you're basically trying to force something that your body is telling you no. So if you're doing Kegels, that is actually shortening those muscles more, which you clearly do not need. So in that case, we work with people on graded touch and lengthening those muscles instead. Do you do more internal exams? Yeah, so usually on my ver- someone's very first time coming in, I typically don't do an internal exam. I like to provide a lot of education about what it will look like and what pelvic floor therapy is and get a very thorough medical history and history of their condition first. And I normally do just a typical external uh, physical therapy exam on the first day. So how is your back moving? How are your hips moving? 
any other aches and pains that could be related to why you're coming in today, uh, overall strength in the body as well. The internal exam, I normally do the first one on the second visit, but if there's a client that is not comfortable with it, we obviously do not do it, or we can delay it a few visits if someone just wants a little more time to get to know their therapist. Um, and then from there, some women, yes, we do a lot more internal at a regular visit if they have some areas that need help moving a little bit more. And some women, I do it on their second appointment and then never again because we get the information we need and then we work on exercises and movements without needing that internal feedback. So what does it look like when you do an internal exam? Because what I'm envisioning, I'm sure, is absolutely not what it looks like. Um, yeah, so I perform internal exams with women on their backs and their knees bent. I actually sit next to them. Like I pull up my chair next to the table, so I'm not at the end of the table like looking up. That way I'm sitting next to them. We can see each other's faces. I talk them through what I'm doing. And then I have a sheet that goes over my arm and over their legs as I'm performing the examination. Initially, I do an external examination of the area as well. So I pull the sheet back for that part. But then after that, they're covered. We have eye contact and we're talking. If I'm assessing a prolapse, I have them stand up as well to see the difference of when gravity is involved. And then if I'm doing a rectal exam, you'd be lying on your side. So when you're doing the exam, what are you feeling for? What are you looking for? So externally, I see if there's any redness, skin tags, discoloration, anything like that. Postpartum, I'll make sure like there's stitches and their scars looking good. Uh, a lot of times we do end up treating episiotomy scars because those get really tight and can be painful. And then I do a sensory exam to make sure they can feel everything equally on each side. Internally, I go through, which most people should just Google a picture of the pelvic floor so they know what I'm talking about, but I start at the more superficial layer and I feel on each side, I have patients try gently squeezing their muscles and gently relaxing their muscles and I can compare left to right, see if there's any areas of tenderness, discomfort, if I feel any tightness or um, extra mobility on one side compared to the other. And then I work my way deeper and all the way to the deep hip rotators. And then sometimes I'll even have women like push against me with their knee to assess if their proper muscles are engaging when they do that. Um, I also check the urethra for mo mobility to see if it's really tight and stuck or if it's extra mobile. And then you can assess the tailbone from that position as well. I feel like that would be like a really eye-opening experience to be able to do that and just to have somebody I don't know how to explain it, but I feel like I'd learn a lot by having somebody perform one of those exams on me. Yeah, and that's usually exactly what I say to my patients when we start out is this internal examination will, yes, provide me with the information I need to properly treat you, but really it's for you because you will learn where all these muscles are, how to engage them properly, if you actually do have tightness or pain on one side, because a lot of women if you say squeeze your pelvic floor muscles and they're looking at this model that shows 
six different muscles on it, they're not going to know how to individually squeeze those or they don't know that, wow, my left side is a lot tighter than my right. But when there's a tactile cue there, they're able to recognize that and engage muscles a little bit better. So yeah, most women find it very beneficial. So how would you prepare for your first session with a pelvic floor physical therapist? For some women, it can be very nerve wracking. So I would suggest if you do have anything that you're nervous about, don't hesitate to reach out to your physical therapist and call or send them an email ahead of time, express your concerns, ask any questions. And when you come in for your appointment, just know it is your body and you're in control. So if they want to do an internal examination and you don't feel ready, you certainly do not have to. You can use that first appointment just to get to know each other and share your goals for therapy and what to expect at the next visit. But really wearing comfortable clothes and yeah, making sure you have any questions that you have with you. What about a bladder, full bladder or empty bladder? Better to be empty just because sometimes, especially when I'm checking urethral mobility, that will not feel good if you really have to go to the bathroom. I usually let my patients go, like if we're about to do the exam, I say, hey, do you have to go to the bathroom and let them run out to go if they need to. I also provide wipes inside of the room as well. So I step out and let them change for the exam, go wash my hands, and then I come back. Uh, Just because some women do prefer to wipe before somebody is working down there, to me, it does not matter. I have seen so many vaginas from high schoolers up to women in their 80s and 90s. So everything is normal. And I know that's a concern a lot of women have is like, well, what if I look weird? What if I'm not normal? What if it smells? And as a medical professional, it does not matter. And we do not care. (laughs) Amen to that. Who all should see a pelvic floor physical therapist? Honestly, pretty much anybody could probably benefit from at least an evaluation. I really believe postpartum, every woman should get an assessment six weeks after they give birth. In other countries, like over in Europe, most countries over there have mandatory, like they go to physical therapy, that's their norm after they give birth. Here, it's like you have your six-week postpartum checkup and then you're done. Like no one else, no one cares about the mom after that, but there's so much else going on with your body still healing and recovering and getting back to your daily life, taking care of a newborn, trying to get back to having sex. And there's so many things that a physical therapist can help with that at this point, I think so many women consider normal, even though it's not, and there's something you can do about it. I think postpartum is a population that's widely missed in our country here. Absolutely. How long has pelvic floor physical therapy been around? Because I feel like I really more just recently learned about it within the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's been around for, I think, over 20 plus years, definitely increasing in how common it is and how many people are talking about it. But I mean, the training has been around forever. There's been women who've been doing it forever. But yeah, I think now more and more people are getting more comfortable talking about it and talking about their bodies, which is awesome. 
and then more people are starting to hear about it, more physical therapists are becoming interested in it as the popularity grows as well. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that women were talking about it mm-hmm. and we're bringing awareness to the fact that, hey, that pain, it may not be no normal or, oh, you don't have to accidentally cough and tinkle a little bit. There mm-hmm. are things that we can do. And the more we normalize that, the more we talk about it, I think the more people are going to be taking advantage of the, this resource. Absolutely. And that's something I have like the population, like ages 50 to 65 are some really fun women to work with because they'll come in and they're a little bit embarrassed about it. And then they come back the next time. Well, I called my sister after this appointment and she thinks it's fascinating. And then I told her about why I was going and she had the same problem, but they didn't talk about it before. And then like women will say, oh, we talked about it at our like card night with all my friends and they start talking about it and realizing that everybody has something going on with their pelvic floor and they didn't get treatment because they never told their doctor or their primary care provider they never talked about it to their family or their friends and once they start talking about it and realizing that there's something they can do and they don't have to live with urinary incontinence or constipation or pain then they start to take action and telling more people about it. So it's pretty empowering for some women. I actually just found an article yesterday. A 2008 article from JAMA said that one in five women experience pelvic floor disorders. So it's actually really common and we're just not talking about it. Yes, definitely. I see so many patients i treat general orthopedics as well and they'll come in with like back pain and i screen out do you have any bowel or bladder issues and some women just aren't comfortable sharing that because they really do just want to get their back figured out but so many women say well yeah i do well you don't do anything about that do you like yes we do and then we end up treating multiple different areas because back pain is a very common thing to have in general in our country but it also is very closely linked to your pelvic floor and having bladder and bowel issues as well. I've had multiple patients that have had chronic hip pain, but nobody's considered their pelvic floor. And so I say, well, hey, you sought treatment for your hip. Can we look at your pelvic floor? And sure enough, we find a really tight muscle in there and they're better in two or three visits. That's amazing. Now, insurance coverage. Yeah, so pelvic floor therapy is no different than any other physical therapy. So your coverage will be the same for that as if you are going to PT for your arm. In general, most insurance companies kind of suck around here. So most people have really high deductibles, um, which does create a challenge for a lot of people. So I usually recommend call your insurance company, find out what your deductible is, what applies to your deductible, which providers in your area are actually covered, and what will your responsibility be for your physical therapy appointments. And that's just people becoming more educated about their own insurance and taking control of that. Yeah, And there are, most PT clinics will offer a cash-based offer as well. So if you don't want to go through your insurance, they'll offer a rate that might be a little bit lower The con of that is that you can't apply that towards your deductible. Okay, that makes sense. 
what is one thing we should all be doing right now to help our pelvic floor? I feel like I have a lot of things to say about that. Yes, give them all, give them all. (laughs) So the first thing I would say is to become comfortable with your own body. Get to know it. Seriously, go on Google right now and type in your pelvic floor muscles and take a look at all of those things, where they connect, how it might affect your body. Use your own finger and feel your muscles a little bit. And if you have any questions, talk to your primary care provider about it. Even if you're like, oh, I'm not sure if they would do that. Talk to your physician assistant, talk to your doctor, talk to your nurse practitioner and let them know and see if there's anything out there that might help you. Just really getting comfortable with yourself is the first step to being comfortable with someone else examining your own body as well. One big thing I see is that people strain so hard when they have to have a bowel movement. I think pretty much everybody should be using a stool with your feet flat so that your knees are a little bit above your hip height. And that helps relax your puborectalis muscle, which is one of your pelvic floor muscles, and allows your body to do what it is naturally made to do versus you pushing and straining. And then the other big thing that I see when women come in is that they were told to try stopping the flow of urine as a way to practice their pelvic floor contractions. Do not do that. (laughs) Your body is scientifically designed to know how to urinate. And if you keep telling it to stop, go, stop, go, you're messing with that whole mechanism and it can actually be bad for you. So there's lots of other ways to practice strengthening those muscles, but don't do it while you're actually going to the bathroom. I love that. I, um, I've heard that that's a really bad thing to do as well. I didn't know why, but I've heard that. So that's really interesting. As far as like toys, sex toys, are there any sex toys you recommend for helping your pelvic floor health? Not in particular. I would say everybody is different. Masturbation is a totally normal part of our bodies. And some people are more comfortable doing that than others or talking about it than others. And that's totally okay. But there's nothing in particular that I recommend. I just say make sure you're using some type of lubricant. Water-based is a really good one for a lot of women. The vibration piece of it, I think, is probably what they're more thinking of because, like, same idea, like, if I use my finger to help somebody, sometimes I'll, like, tap my finger a little bit, and that helps spark a muscle contraction. So same thing on the outside of the body. If someone has a hard time getting their biceps to fire, just, like, little taps while they're trying can help. So maybe that's kind of the thought. There's really not I mean, there's so many toys they try to sell claiming that, and there's no research supporting it. There are like pelvic wands that I have women use if they have like basically those little knots in there that I work on manually, but I obviously can't go home and work on it every day for them. So I recommend just a plain pelvic wand for that. As far as resources. Do you have any resources for the listeners when it comes to learning about their pelvic floor finding a pelvic floor physical therapist? The Academy of Pelvic Health has a directory that lists people who have taken their courses and become certified in pelvic health. And then Herman and Wallace also has a directory of pelvic health therapists. 
There are a few other ones out there. I think Pelvic Guru, Guru has one, which they are a really great page to follow. They have a Facebook page that has a directory to find pelvic floor therapists. There are a ton of awesome Facebook and Instagram pages. My PFM is another one I really like. They create a lot of cool visuals and videos for women to look at. The Vagina Whisperer also has a really awesome Facebook page, and they actually have online physical therapy sessions. So if there's women that want to do a virtual session, you can do it through them, which is kind of nice. That is really cool. I was actually going to ask about virtual, especially in our current pandemic situation. How I feel like virtual would be really difficult. This is just my thoughts. I personally would want somebody else's hands to be doing the exploring and analysis. Mm -hmm. I would have a hard time with virtual. Yeah. I mean, definitely that's important for a lot of different conditions, but there's so much we can do through talking and education. A lot of pelvic floor therapy is education and it's actually kind of been cool to experience some telehealth where we can see people's homes and work on their specific body body mechanics in their actual everyday life. The vagina whisper is, I mean, people love it. And it's nice that you can do that because most physical therapists can only do virtual visits within their state. So like the PT and the patient have to be in Wisconsin, for example, in order for me to do a televisit. With the vagina whisper, they're an actual company that is virtual so they can do it all over the place. So it's a great option for some women. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? Yeah, I think it's important to start talking about these things, ask people questions. There's so many resources out there. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Get comfortable with your body. I just started a blog a few months ago as well. So if people are interested in that, it's on WordPress and it's called Pelvic Pages. And I'm actually going through kind of the history of my own journey with pelvic floor dysfunction because mine started when I was 13. And I never told a single soul until I was, I think, 25 maybe. So I struggled for years before getting help. I really want to help other young women and men get help sooner than when I did. Absolutely. And I think something else on that same note is that if if you're a listener that's going through this, go to your provider. If your provider hasn't heard of a pelvic floor physical therapist, that that's their lack of knowledge, but it's okay to bring somebody say, Hey, I want to be referred to this person. I want you to find me this type of person. Ultimately ask your provider, tell them. Yeah. I think that's a great point because there's so many awesome providers out there that just don't know about it yet. And you as the patient might be the first person to provide that information to them. And most people are okay with that and they want to learn, they want to help you, but providers have so many specialties and things they're referring people to it's impossible to remember everything. I work in my clinic, there's a group of doctors in there as well. And they even said, physical therapy in general, sometimes is hard to remember. If someone comes in and they're saying, well, this hurts, and you know, they're doing a full exam on 
all these different conditions and it's hard to remember sometimes like, oh, where should we send them for PT and what services are out there? Um, so definitely, I mean, if you have that knowledge and you know what you would like to try, bring it up to them and they can help you get to the right place. We're not offended. No. <laughs> that's how, that's how as providers we learn and grow is, you know, being open-minded. So definitely. Yeah. And it's great to have your provider and your physical therapist working together to kind of tie the two pieces together and keep everyone on the same page. Where can the listeners find you at? I work in Northern Wisconsin at St. Luke Schwamigan Clinic. So if you're in Wisconsin, I can do telehealth visits. If not, I can't, but I'm always happy to answer questions and help people find some of these directories. I did just post my professional Facebook page. If you want to find me on there, I will actually maybe just post some of these directories for people. And that's Amanda Whiting, PTDPT. And Whiting is spelled W-H-I-T-I-N-G. Or you can check out my blog as well. Awesome. And I'm definitely going to be tagging all of those in this awesome. podcast episodes. Okay. They can find you and connect with you as well. Well, thank you so much, Amanda. I really, really appreciate you joining me today and sharing all this information with the listeners. I think it's very valuable information. So thanks again. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. This podcast is sponsored by Pure Romance by Jordan Jones. If you haven't yet heard of My Sexy Box, you are going to want to make sure you get yours right away. The quarterly subscription box is coming to doors December 15th, so do not delay and get yours now. This subscription box includes over $100 of top-selling products and some of my personal favorites. Do not sleep on this. Check out the link in the bio to get yours today or go to sexybox.vaginasvulvasandvibrators.com. Thank you for joining today and continuing to bring awareness to women's health. If you love the show, please subscribe so you never miss another episode and leave a review for others to see. If you want to see me on the daily, you can check out my bio for links to all my pages. Be sure to share this episode with your girlfriends. Thanks again and see you next episode.